0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Dental Practice Launch Podcast. Today, I have a fellow uh, startup um, entrepreneur, if you will, Dr. Ben Freeberg of Thrive Family Dental in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I've known Ben just kind of through the online space, and then we finally got a chance to meet each other uh, in Arizona uh, a few uh, weeks back from recording this. but. Uh, ben, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, how how have things been going for you? Good. Things have been going good.
1: Yeah, we uh, spring break was last week for us, so got to take our kids down to Universal Studios and to Crystal River. And my wife took the kids to the Taylor Swift concert, so it was a a big week for the kids.
0: You missed out on the Taylor Swift concert.
1: I had a CE event in Ohio, and so they were driving to the concert as I was driving to the airport at that, at that moment. So.
0: Yeah. I know there was some madness around uh, buying tickets for Taylor Swift and there was quite the the controversy of, of that. Oh, yeah. I just remember following that on online. I was like, man, the, you know, the tickets they sell like, like that with Taylor Swift. So, um, yeah, that's, that's quite a treat I'm sure for, for your kids, but you know, one of the things that w- we're talking about, and this is the reason that, uh, Dr. Ben is, is joining me on this podcast and was recommended to join is, you know, we're doing a series for all you listening on, you know, mental health, uh, anxiety, depression, and, and really putting a dental focus on that because we do know that you know a lot of dentists um, are dealing with this and in people in general outside of dentistry. But for the sake of who we are and what we do every day, we're going to narrow it into dentistry here. But um, Ben has a, a very unique story, I feel, and a powerful story to share. And so before we dive into that, though, Ben, um, I would love to hear just a little bit about your life prior to dentistry, because this isn't one of those things where it was like you knew from grade school you were gonna be a dentist, you went to dental school right out of undergrad and, and you know went into practice. Uh, this was a journey for you. Can you kind of walk us through that a little bit? Yeah,
1: so I, I did have um, kind of a winding path into dentistry. My first career was construction. So I graduated with a degree in construction engineering management and a minor in business management and started a construction company out of school. Um, it was a, a large, a large company. Um, I was a, a partner in the Northwest division of it and launched startups for them. So I did their Portland startup of their company and then expanded to the Seattle startup. Um, I did that for about three years before, um, leaving the construction industry. It just was not something that, that I enjoyed. Um, And it was the first time that I I had really difficult. um, Well, I guess it was the second time that I had really difficult struggles with my mental health. Um, In in undergrad, I had some issues. um, Depression, suicidal ideation, that type of stuff. And then again, after college. um, And so after I left the construction industry, I went back to school to be a physical therapist. I was a um, high school and college athlete. I spent a lot of time working uh, with physical therapists to stay on the wrestling mat and so i thought it would be a good opportunity for me to get kind of get back um, in the healthcare field which is what i decided i wanted to move into after construction and i did that um, pursued that education for a while and realized that there wasn't enough entrepreneurialism left in physical therapy Um, in the work hours there's just a lot of stuff that led me towards dentistry Specifically, my mother-in-law is a dentist, and she continued to call me relentlessly for two years, telling me I should be a dentist, and I finally listened. Um, so I went back to school to be a dentist in 2011, and graduated in 2015, uh, in my early 30s. So Awesome.
0: That's yeah. awesome, man. And congrats on that, and congrats on all your success here, having a dentistry and a positive impact that you're having with um, a lot of startup practices, too, which is um, how we met through Ideal Practice is a, a great, you know, great company. But um, you had mentioned something there about, you know, kind of having one of your first bouts with noticing um, mental health uh, struggles in mm-hmm. undergrad, same situation for, for me, I had uh, a lot of like, gastro issues in college, and like, just seemed like all of a sudden. And I remember I, c- I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, what's going on? I never had like all these issues. And, you know, had an endoscopy at, you know, 19 or 20 years old, colonoscopy, like all the whole thing, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Saw so many different doctors and ended up like what somebody had said to me, a, a physician said, You have uh, anxiety and your anxiety is causing your gastro issues, which was basically like an inflammation of my stomach lining, gastritis. And that's when I was first introduced to me having anxiety and I was put on a prescription, which then just like changed everything for me. Um, you, had similar, uh, things happen as far as, you know, dealing with, um, anxieties and depressions. I walk us through, you know, when was that big turning point for you in your previous career when you knew you had, you know, something had to change and that's when you ultimately made that transition?
1: Yeah. So I had been running the construction company for about a year and, um, It was stressful
0: environment was a stressful job or
1: yeah. I mean, it was a startup construction company. Um, we've, we, uh, I was literally cold calling. So going, um, walking into property management companies, apartment managers, HOA communities. Um, we specialized in, uh, kind of rehabs of these, these developments and communities. So after the new construction all falls apart three to five years after these communities are built, we come in and rehab them. And so I had to build relationships as a. 22 year old, right. Walking into these property managers, you know, 50, 60, 70 year old, um, you know, people fall into their careers, managing multi-million dollar projects. And I'm walking in the door trying to convince them that they should pick me for it. You know? Um, so very, very stressful getting, you know, getting those relationships, booking those projects, and then actually doing the work, right. Hiring crews, brand new company. Nobody has any idea who I am. So getting good talent and stuff like that was a challenge. So it was that, so it took a whole year to get that company off the ground. And after about a year of it, my wife and I and some friends went sea kayaking, which is one of our favorite things to do up in the Puget Sound in the Northwest. And I remember paddling. I mean, it's the most beautiful, pristine vistas and just exciting to be with my friends. It should be this ultimate experience. And I was miserable. (laughs) I did not, I could not, for some reason, enjoy it. It's something that I've always loved. It's how my wife and I, I, mean, my wife and I met in the Puget Sound. We'd done multiple trips like this. And it used to be something that gave me joy and there was none. And that was kind of that first inkling that something bigger was going on. And I was dealing with, you know, the, the anxiety, the tight chest, the, you know, the hard time getting a full breath, constantly trying to sigh and just every day. And that was just, that was just my daily routine almost. Um, but this, it, and that's just my baseline anxiety. And I've had that since I was in high school. But this was the first time that it kind of went beyond just that physiological response to, to emotional lack of joy, lack of enjoyment, um, anxiety into no depression. And so that's when I started looking at things differently and, and realizing that I probably needed to get some. Some help, I guess, is the best way to describe it. I needed somebody else to, to guide me through this process. And I uh, started going to counseling at that point. This is probably 2007 by now. Um, started seeking counseling um, and found a counselor that I that I worked well with. I've had counselors in the past that after about three sessions, I'm just like, this isn't, we're not the right fit. It, it, you're, the way that they we communicate, the, the way that, that we interact it it's not progressive. It's not going anywhere, but I found somebody that I enjoyed working with and started working with him. And I had been against any sort of antidepressant any medication. I was very against it. Um, I felt like it was weak. I felt like it was, you know, I, I just felt like there was a stigma against it. And I had, had bought into that stigma and my counselor because at this point I started having suicidal ideation, the depression got deeper. Throughout throughout that. So that was in the summer that I noticed it. Throughout the fall, it's continued to get worse. Um, where I was thinking about killing myself, um, thinking about different ways to kill myself. Like it was almost like I would get in these cycles where it almost felt good to think about it. Um and talking to my counselor about, he's like, hey man, I, I don't I don't feel comfortable treating you unless you do take antidepressants. And I'm like, I'm not gonna do it. And A couple weeks later, I went hunting um, with my family, which was another occasion that always brought joy. My brothers, my dad, uncles and cousins all sitting around the campfire, you know, just man time, man stuff, right? And it's supposed to be a joyous, fun occasion. And I'm miserable. Can't enjoy it. Really can't get out of of my own depression during that time. And I remember at one point, um, I was alone, you know, looking over it in a clear cut and looked at my gun a different way and thought about shooting myself. And I had a gun in my hand at that, at that time. And it was a dramatic moment. Obviously it's still, you know, and it was at that moment that I realized like, well, I do like, I am a, I am a danger right now to myself. I am not safe. And well, my counselor was finally at a point. He's like, Hey, this is what you need to realize. You would never tell an orthopedic surgeon that you're not going to have a cast on your leg. If you broke your leg, you would never look at him and say, no, no, I'm good. I'm going to keep running even though my leg's broken and expect it to get better. Hey. It's like, you're in the same position. There's something broken with your emotions or with, with your depression and anxiety. And we need a cast. We need, we need an outside intervention during this time so that we can get to a point where you're healthy and able to come off of them. The goal is not to have them forever. You don't wear a cast forever. You don't work on crutches forever. This is, this is the goal. And so with all of that, I realized like, I get it now. And so at that point I went on antidepressants for about a year and a half, I would say, with regular counseling, lifestyle changes, um, and was able to come off of them, and haven't been on them since. Um, awesome. Yeah, and it's been it's been good, and I'm I'm glad that that was the final result, right? Um, for sure, because yeah. the the solution of of killing myself was obviously the wrong. It's not a solution. It's
0: and so. now this was while you were at the startup construction company still mm-hmm. during this time? Yeah.
1: This is all during the construction okay. right after, right after undergrad. So this is, I'm in my mid twenties at this point.
0: So you, you have this moment, uh, you realize, you know, okay, it's okay to go on, um, a prescription and, and wear that cast, so to speak. At what point then did you realize you know, for the long-term happiness of yourself, your family, Mm-hmm. all of that. Um, did you decide maybe it's, it's okay to make a change because I see some anonymous posts and some of the the dental groups, many of the ones that we're probably both in and um, I'll, I'll see posts from you know, dentists who are in residency or maybe they're still in dental school. And they're like, I, I may have made a mistake, right? They, mm. they may think that they may have chose the wrong career for whatever reason that that may be. I mean, I was the same way in college that what I started studying is not what I ended up finishing with, right? It's like when you're 17, 18, 19 years old, it's a big life decision that that we're making. And sometimes we don't make it right. We're young, we're still figuring things out. Um, But you made that transition um, and went back to school uh, to study dentistry. What was kind of like that, that point? Was that it when you realized for long-term you needed to doing something else that was just going to make you happier in the long yeah. run? Or what was yeah. that?
1: The one thing that I, before I started the commercial company, I, I worked in residential house painting. So painting houses um, to pay for college. And the only thing I really enjoyed about that was the relationships and the finished product, right? Having something that I could look at and be proud of. This was an ugly house and now it's a pretty house again. And the relationships that I was building with all these these homeowners, And I really, really enjoyed that. And that was, that was not at all in the commercial realm. It was cutthroat, it was lowest dollar relationships, as good as you could make them didn't, at the end, it didn't matter. And that was not giving me any satisfaction in my career. And so that's why I ended up ultimately in dentistry, great relationships, long-term relationships that matter, life-changing relationships. And a finished product that I can be proud of. I can take somebody's smile and turn it into something absolutely beautiful that they are proud of and that I can be proud of too. Um, And so I was in the construction. I did that, that construction counter about three and a half years before I made that transition out um, to do something different. And, And I didn't leave it knowing that I was going to go into dentistry. I thought I was going to go into physical therapy and then through going through physical therapy, you know, uh, uh, having to go back to school to get the prereqs and all that type of stuff um, is when I shadowed physical therapists and I shadowed dentists. And I realized like dentistry was actually the route that was better for me.
0: And I think the lesson there too is, you know, it's, it's not too late, you know, even though, you know, it may feel like it, you feel like you've invested all financially your time into a certain degree or career mm-hmm. or field, um, you still, when you look at the grand scheme of things of your life, um, you know, typically most people who are having these decisions are people in their twenties, even their thirties, like even someone who's doing this in their, their thirties are making a, you know, change that's going to be for decades still to come. Um, what are your thoughts on that? As far as if you feel, you know, early on, if you're not feeling that this is something long-term that you can be happy in, Um, it, it's like, what's your advice to those, those people since you've, you've done it?
1: So dentistry is different. So when I graduated, because it, it, it's, it's a pinnacle career, right? It's very, very challenging to get to this point. Um, education wise, academic wise, time wise, financially, it's, it, it's a pinnacle career. And so there's no lateral income moves. So it does feel very stuck. But it's also very, very stressful and very hard. And being new in the career is really, really challenging because there's so much that we don't know when we graduate. There's just there's so much dentistry to be learned after graduation. The other thing, too, is that in dental school and a lot of dental schools, it's almost like you're getting hazed by your by the faculty and getting hazed. like. They all. It always felt like they were always uh, telling you that you're going to screw up, and everything that that happens is your fault. Um, when it comes down to it, it it isn't, and and it takes several years and a lot of reps being a dentist to start getting comfortable with the fact that dentistry works, that what we've been trained is going to be effective, that the the con the that any sort of adverse event during a the procedure they happen right, and that it's not the fault of, and that pressure and burden doesn't only just belong in your soul. And I think that that is a big challenge with new dentists is trusting in yourself, trusting in the process that dentistry works and being forgiving and letting yourself know that it's okay to learn, that it's okay to, to make a mistake and to have to redo something, the patient's going to live, you're going to live and you're going to move on and it's, it's okay. And that took me, I had a lot of, you know, when I graduated when I was first out, I had a lot of, my anxiety was back. Um, The depression wasn't, but the anxiety was back for sure when I, when I graduated from dental school, not so much in dental school, because you felt like you had backup. I always felt like there was someone there and that, then all of a sudden you get this dental license and it's a revocable, you know, thing. And so it took me three or four years before I really gained that clinical confidence of, This works. Even when bad things happen, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through it. Nobody's going to die. Right. (laughs) So that, that has helped. And there's still days, there's still days where I sit in the parking lot for five minutes before coming to the office and say, you know what? I am feeling anxious. That's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you. You know, I, I call my anxiety, my backseat passenger, my backseat driver now, because it's not going anywhere. It's been proven. I've had it since I was in high school. Um, and I get that tight chest, hard to get a full breath. Kind of my my brain starts doing its own doom scrolling, thinking about all the bad things that could happen, or, you know, oh, you had this one case, it didn't go perfect. What's going to happen? And the wheels start turning. Um, but I've relinquished my anxiety to the back seat. You don't get to drive anymore. You don't get to even be in the front seat. Thank you for your input, thank you for your feedback. But I'm, but I'm not going to listen. I've just accepted the fact that I have anxiety. It's there. It's, it's part of me. Um, probably what makes me a really good dentist is that I have this voice telling me, you know, watch out for all these, you know, all these little things are going to happen. Um, so that's how I've been able to manage it. And I also exercise a lot. That energy, I have to, I have to get rid of it. And I do that I through intense exercise.
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about exercising shortly because that's something that I've picked up on. Is I'm like probably your average person. I go through spurts of where I'm I do really well consistency uh, consistency in the gym, and then I go through those times where it's like uh, not so much, right? And you definitely notice a difference when you're sitting around, you know, I'm sitting at a desk most of the day, you're in, you know, an op bent over most of the day. It's, as humans, it's like we were, I mean, at the end of the day, we're mammals, right? We're creatures uh, used to going out and we have this, you know, innate ability to have fears that are coming our way. Now, maybe necessarily they're not you know, worried about getting eaten by a bear or mm-hmm. a wolf or things type of things, but they've kind of evolved in, in other realms that you've talked about. Um, the backseat driver, I think, is a really great piece of advice. I want people to take note of because it's, it's again, you're never going to get rid of it completely, you, it's always going to be there as long as you don't let it drive the car. I thought that was a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Lord knows that my anxiety is a terrible driver anyway. So I don't really yeah. want it driving. <laughs> so, so that's a really good point there. Um, exercising. So uh, what have you found, um, you know, that's been a big difference for you as far as exercising is there certain types of exercise, run, walking, biking, weights, like what, what's worked for you, Ben?
1: Um, I have found that cycling either mountain biking or indoor cycling. I've got a Peloton and I, I've joined a spin gym as well. So, um, I try to get in about three to four hours a week of really intense riding, um, and then I'll do, um, HIIT classes as well. So high intensity interval training. So I feel like I need to, I I need to get my heart rate up to 175, 180, you know, peak heart rate and, and get to a point where I'm just completely exhausted afterwards. And for, after that, I feel so much better. Like, I feel like the, the, the vibration of my emotions just smooths out after that. Um, I also, you know, I also take hot baths, like soaking, um, anything that I can do just for relaxation and off time. Things that, that I have found work for me. And I make sure that I guard those times because if I don't have those times, I'm worthless for everybody around me. I, as a leader of a practice with six employees, a husband, father of two, if I am not taking good care of myself, um, it impacts negatively those around me. And my goal is, so my, my practice in, in life vision is that everyone who interacts with me is treated with love, dignity, and respect. Um, but to be able to do that, I have to be in really good mental and, and physical health to do that. Um, and so, I guard those times um, every weekend, unless we're traveling. Um, I make sure that I have to, a two-hour window for exercise. So I'll do a ninety-minute once a week. I'll do a ninety-minute session. I'll do thirty minutes a hit, sixty minutes on the bike. I'll follow up with an ice bath um, to really just anchor myself at least once a week. Um, and knowing that that's my time to do the things that I need to do for myself, which or then like I can give to those around me because I know that I've been taken care of. I've done what I need to do for myself. And there'll be times where there's extra stresses and there's more going on around me and that two hour window is not enough. And I have to communicate to my wife and my family. Hey, guys, I need to go. I need to go mountain biking. I need to get in the woods. I need to get away. Um, and so we we do that. But it just takes being conscious of how I'm feeling, checking in with my emotions, um, checking in with my patience. You know, am I getting upset easy? Am I getting frustrated easy? Um, and when I start noticing that, I, I take additional steps to to do the things that kind of feed my soul. We call it filling our buckets with our kids. So life is hard. It takes water out of your bucket. So you need to do things to fill your bucket.
0: I like that. And you know, for you, for the clinicians listening to this, you know, they may say, uh, say, you know, have something that's you know, really been bothering me at work. It's this, you know, one particular case. It's just been, you know, real pain with me, and it's it's been stressing me out. And I'm, you know, worried about you know, the patient's thoughts on this, and all of these different things that start, you know, going through their mind. When you're in the moment, mm-hmm. and something is bothering you like that. And you know, you're, you know, you're not the only one and people listening, you're not the only ones that go through this either. What have you found best when you can't you know step away to, you know, go bike or whatever the case is, yeah. you're in the office, something happens. What have you found to be the best way to kind of ground yourself or fill that bucket while, you know, you still have things to do, you know, yet before the day's over? Yeah.
1: So anytime I have a case that I, you know, that, that gets, that gets in there, right? Where it just kind of perseverates and like, no matter what, like it keeps clicking back into your, you know, your rotation of thoughts is, uh, you know, like who, you know, who wants to be a millionaire, like phone a friend, like get somebody else's input so they can speak me off the ledge because I will catastrophize everything, right? Like that's, thank you, anxiety. That's, that's what, that's what it does for me, but when I call a friend with similar experiences and say, "Oh man, I did this thing and this is going on. How am I going to fix this? It's going to be the worst. I'm going to, have to you know, blah blah blah. It's going to cost me twenty five thousand dollars. I'm going to lose my dental license. It's going to you know, end of the world." And they're like, "Yeah, probably not." <laughs> and just having that social group of like minded you know dentists that you can call and and talk through cases and having that support group um, is really really important um, being a dentist, being a, being a solo practice owner, I would say it's gotta be one of the most isolating things because nobody around, you know, nobody around us has the knowledge that we do, right. Our staff doesn't, our patients don't, we're the, we're the sole kind of burden holder for kind of keeping that all together. And it's very, very isolating. And so having other dentists, to be able to talk to about that, to be able to relate to, um, is super important. One, it keeps your head on straight. It keeps you from drinking your own Kool-Aid too. keeps you humble by having other dentists to talk to, but it also is a great support, you know, support network and kind of keeps you from also going off the deep end with your own anxieties and and catastrophizing thoughts for, for challenging cases.
0: Yeah. It's like, not enough just to be, you know, solo practitioner in the practice, but then it's like, oh, by the way, many of you too are, are business owners too. And you're running the business and you know that people are relying on you and your reputation and all of these different things that they go into it. And I feel that, you know, personally in, in my business as well around my team, it's sometimes when I'll you know have those days where I just look and I'm like, oh my gosh, look how many people you know are relying on me and the sure. things that I do, but then I have to again, kind of take a step back, let that anxiety know it's in the backseat. Like, okay, thank you for your input, but we're a team here at the end of the day too, right? You know, it's, it it isn't just on me, although it may seem like that. And I think that's important for people to sit back and, and reflect on. And, and you brought up a good point about having a support group. I have found, and for me uh, personally, the times that I've had the biggest struggles were during some of the most isolating times of my life. Um, Mm A good example of that was right around the COVID time when I was not seeing my friends, you know, not seeing my family, just kind of my wife and I hunkered down in in the house. And, you know, that was when a lot of thoughts were approaching about, Oh, what business never comes back. You know, what if these things, because you, you, you weren't able to, I guess, socialize and, and hear from, others have you found that to be the case too ben as far as like when because sometimes if something's going wrong i feel like a lot of us look inwards and we don't want to talk to others at least me personally i want to kind of keep to myself but i almost feel like that has the reverse effect of what you want it to do it it makes you feel worse
1: oh absolutely yeah isolation um and i would say lack of vulnerability lack of lack of intimacy in relationships um is negatively impactful um, for yourself personally and for those around you, you know, no one has ever said keeping my emotions from my wife is a good idea, right? (laughs) Um, yeah. Like, so with ideal practices, the start, you know, the startup group that, uh, we met at that mastery group every six months, we get together and it feels like about five months after each event, is when you really start to get burnt out and you really start to get frustrated. It's like, and then you get together with a bunch of other like-minded dentists going through a similar thing, and it's like, oh, life is amazing. I'm supercharged. Like though those interactions with, with people where you can sit down and and over dinner and say, Yeah, man, this is going on. I'm just like, oh, this is the worst. And like, oh, I know, but I got through it. This is how. Oh, you know, and so that that positive environment, positive feedback with other people is essential. For for staying on top of your
0: game, mentally community, yeah, community, yeah. And, and which provides perspective, I think, mm-hmm. is so key there. And I do the same thing. I ha- I have a group of uh, agency owners that, yeah, we get together you know, three times a, co- um, a- annually, and uh, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like right around that time, I'm like that fourth month. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I need to meet up. And then after you meet up with peers, you know, who are going through the same things, you come back and you're energized, you're rejuvenated. So get out there. You'll find a group if, if you're listening to this, whether it's a local, you know, bunch of local dentists in the area, if it's a group online, whatever the case is, help each other out, support one another. It'll benefit everybody um, in, in yeah. many ways. Um, as we're starting to kind of get down here to the end, Ben, um, I would love to just you know, kind of as we're wrapping up, talking about you know, hey, for those listening that do struggle with anxiety. Maybe they've had depression. Um, they're in you know, dentistry, probably if they're listening to this, um, we've talked about a number of points here, but what would you like to leave our audience with as far as maybe that final message of, you know, if you're going through this, you know, mm-hmm. what should they really focus on to, to help, you know, get themselves back on track?
1: So with, with depression and suicide specifically, um, there's three questions, right? It's, Have you considered suicide? Have you made a plan? Do you have the means to carry out that plan? And that is something, those three questions are the three questions that you can ask anybody. You say, Hey, can I ask you a couple of questions? I'm concerned about you. And ask those three questions. Have you considered suicide? Do you have a plan? Do you have the means to carry it out? And that's going to give you kind of an intervention urgency. If they answer yes to all three, you should probably be taken into a hospital that will likely save their lives. I was lucky is that I didn't have a plan, but I had thought of suicide and I had a gun in the woods, right? If I had thought about going into the woods to kill myself and had the gun, the chances of me doing it are significantly higher. So those three questions kind of allow you to gauge the level of intervention that's necessary. And if you're able to answer yes to any of those questions, reach out to me. It's Dr. Freeberg, F R I B E R G at thrivefamilydental.com. Um, reach out to a friend, reach out to the suicide hotline, get help. Suicide is never the option. It will never be an option. Uh, it will never solve the problems that you think you can't solve. Um, so that, I guess that's where I would leave it is if you can answer yes to any of those questions, seek immediate and, and be very, very intense about going after treatment for it. Um, it's, it, you know, we talk about different types of sickness, depression and anxiety is, is brain pain, right? It's like, it's, it, it, and you don't, you don't know how to get out of it. And that's why suicide becomes an idea, right? So seek care. To f- solve the solution, to find the solution that's actually going to work for it. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, that's very well said. And we, we will put uh, Ben's email down here uh, as well as a link to uh, those different uh, resources that we we talked about as well. And I think the important note to leave this on is, uh, you know, these things are are temporary. You know, these these pitfalls that we we fall into, we can get out of them. You know, w- with the help of of others. Exercise, you know, professional counseling, sometimes medication, we we can get out of that. And I think you know you're a great testament to that um, with with your story and, and where you are today, and the amazing things that you're doing, and the other dentists that that you're helping, uh, you know, with their practices. Um, I would love you know for you to kind of talk a little bit about that and how you've kind of seen that you know 180 almost happen in in your life from you know a little over a decade ago and. Sure. Yeah, just how how have things changed for you now that you've equipped yourself maybe with the tools that you know how to to manage?
1: Yeah, I mean the the big thing now is that um, the emotional cycles, the, the valleys and the have have been cut off, right? So my lows don't get nearly as low as they ever did before, um, which is nice. <laughs> um, and that's through that's through taking care of myself. You know, community, exercise, um, spiritual, you know, spirituality, that type, Having, making sure that, I, that I'm focused on those things and diligent about them. Um, and I would say that one thing that's cool is that when I first became a dentist and got out, a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry. And my wife and I would talk like, can you do this for the rest of your life? Are you going to be able to sustain this level of stress and anxiety till you can retire? And we talked about that all the time. What are our outs? What are we going to do? How are you going to stop being a dentist? Um, We don't have those conversations anymore. And that's because we took the continuing education continuum courses and spent time with other dentists and had mentors and realized that dentistry is actually a really fun career. And at first it's overwhelming, but as you grow as a practitioner, And you get over those kind of growing pains of first being out on your own um, and realizing that it's not always your fault. And that if it is your fault, you can fix it. And if you can't, that's what specialists are for. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and to, you know, to emotionally distance yourself a little bit, you do have to back away emotionally from the chair. Um, Doesn't mean you don't care for people. You don't love people, but you can't always take it home with you. Um, And after I would say, About, for me, it was about four or five years it clicked and and dentistry is great. I see more. I feel like dentistry wise, um, it's like in the matrix, you start seeing the ones and the zeros, right? Like, but that takes time and it takes intention and focus um, to get there. But, and I've talked to many, many dentists that that, that transition happens between five and seven years into your career where you start to realize like, Oh, I do got this. I, I, I am a good dentist and I do understand and the emotion and the anxiety and the stress of the dentistry that you provide is not nearly as demanding or wearing on you. Um, there would be days where I would, you know, see three or four patients and be exhausted by the end. And now we're seeing 15 patients in treatment and it's just a Tuesday, um, which is really, really cool. I never thought that I'd be able to do that type of stuff when I got out. I saw other dentists doing it and thought they were superheroes. And now we're now we're doing it in our office and realize like, oh, that's just because we're we're there. We've got that point in our career. Yeah,
0: so being a dentist, it's like it's like being an NFL quarterback. When you come out of college, you know, very rarely do people just go out and are Pro Bowl level superstar type quarterback. It takes years. To- you know, reps like you'd mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. reading the defense, or you know, doing dentistry, you know, making some mistakes, learning from those mistakes to get yourself to that point to where you are, you know, at that level that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's it it's a time thing. So for those dentists that are that are listening to this, that are earlier on in their careers and feel that stress of like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. Keep pushing keep going, Um, make sure that you're taking care of yourself, eating well, sleeping well, exercising, building community so that you're ready for it and then continue to push on. And there will be between five and seven years for everybody I've talked to a click. And it's just one day you'll walk into work and you're like, I got this. And you'll just, it'll just happen naturally.
0: Ben, this was a great conversation. Um, for the sake of time, i are cut it off here, but I could go on and on about this stuff. Thank you so much, Dr. Ben Freeberg, for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to be able to benefit from this. I'm excited to sh- you know, get this message out, share it. Again, we'll have Ben's email uh, plugged down in the show notes here. So if you want to reach out to him, if you have any questions, uh, you know, definitely do that. He's a great resource to have. And Ben, thank you again for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks, Shane.